Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And thousands of people are expected to hit the Nevada desert starting tomorrow for Storm Area 51, which started as a joke on Facebook earlier this summer by college student Maddie Roberts. But when millions responded to his post that they were joining the run on the infamous top secret military base that's reportedly home to real alien spacecraft, Maddie turned it, uh, the event into Alien Stock, a music festival. Um, but things fell apart last week when it looked like Alien Stock was quick, uh, quickly turning into Firefest 2.0. Remember that? We talked about that a few uh, months ago in Talk is Jericho. Now the whole event has been moved to downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, and it's sponsored by Bud Light, but there's still going to be a gathering in the desert this weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on. Too many people coming to town, not enough food, not enough water, not enough uh, uh, bathroom areas, that sort of thing. Uh, it's going to be quite, quite insane. The Storm Area 51 Base Camp is being held Friday and Saturday in Hico, Nevada, which is very close to Area 51 and also home to the Alien Research Center, famous gift shop. And of course, you can always visit Roswell, New Mexico, where the infamous UFO sighting and crash of July 19, uh, 1947 originally took place. Roswell is ground zero for the whole Area 51 and alien conspiracy theories. That's exactly what we're talking about today with my two guests. I got one of my oldest friends uh, in the wrestling biz or anywhere else, Lenny uh, Olson, aka Dr. Luther, is back on the show, along with his friend Brian Ward, who owns a UFO museum in Roswell, New Mexico. They both experienced, uh, both experienced UFO encounters. I have as well, one of them involving Lenny. And Brian's sharing the history of Roswell and the details surrounding the 1947 uh, UFO crash and government cover-up. We're also talking about the military's recent acknowledgement that UFOs exist and what that may uh, may be setting the stage for. Fascinating discussion about the existence of alien life uh, and this uh, storm area 51, how dangerous it could be for anybody that wants to do it. If you're listening to the show and you're going to be doing that tomorrow, be careful. So here we go. Dr. Luther and Brian Ward talking area 51 starting now on Talk is Jericho. All right. So uh, as we all know, Talk is Jericho, very important uh, with the paranormal and ufo conversations and people seem to come out of the woodwork with interesting stories and tales and experiences little did i know that one of my best friends uh dr luther uh has another friend that we both knew i haven't seen brian ward in i don't know 25 years or something like yeah. that since i think 1990 90 91 whenever we did that show for you yes and yes Lenny said that uh, Brian has a UFO museum in Roswell, and I was hooked. So um, very interesting stuff, and thanks for, for hooking this up, Lenny, Luther, uh, whatever we're going to be calling you. And um, Either one. Brian, you have a, uh, a UFO uh, museum, the Roswell UFO Spacewalk. First yeah. of all, how did you end up in Roswell, and how did you end up with the museum? Because last I remember you were in Fresno. Yes. Um, well, you know, it's uh, UFOs has always been kind of a passion for me. And uh, it was something to also incorporate my art with, too. Like I, I do a lot of uh, like retro style space art painting. So like here in this, like, I guess, later stage of my life, I was looking for something that would be a little easier for uh, for an older guy to make a living. So I decided to open up a uh, black light walkthrough attraction here in Roswell. And plus, it was a combination of my art gallery in the front. And uh, I just opened up about five weeks ago, and so far it's been a really good hit. And uh, the town and all the people have received it really well, and it's just a neat little uh, place to do business with. And uh, anyway, it was, it's kind of been a plan for mine for a long time to come out here to Roswell to try something in the UFO business. And uh, finally, I had a chance to pull it off. 
So obviously Roswell, one of the most famous kind of UFO-based towns in the entire world, close to Area 51, all that other stuff. What drew you towards Roswell, Brian? Have you had experiences with UFOs? Yes, I sure have. I've had uh, I've had one major one was in California when I was younger, but I've also had uh, some more encounters out here in Roswell. Not quite as good, but uh, uh, the one in California was me and uh, two of my close friends, and we were just uh, sitting in the backyard. It was just just had gotten dark, and uh, we'd noticed uh, there was a star that was in the sky, and it was moving erratically, doing zigzags and flips. And it would come to a complete standstill and start all over again, thinking, what is that? You know, it's like, you know, that's not an airplane. I lived right next to a, uh, an airport at that time, so we knew, like, you know, what airplanes look like. And uh, so, we, you know, we're mesmerized and we're looking at this thing. And then finally, it's, it, it lowers down in the horizon and it, it comes almost directly at us. And there was, like I said, it was me and two of my other friends. And... I, we were like 18, 19 at the time and uh, kind of fearless. So me and my one friend went out to go, you know, went out to halfway to kind of meet it. We were trying to get it to land. And I noticed the other friend of ours was gone. And uh, I found out later he went through uh, the golf door back because he was scrambling to get the <laughs> to get away from it. And he, he chewed up his ribs uh, finding his way through the dog door. But uh, any, anyway, the uh, the saucer, uh, I, I, I don't know what shape it was exactly because it was had, had a bright light to it that it got, I mean, about 50 feet away from us. It was almost right over the top of us. And it was like, wow. It was like, it was almost so real. It was, I, I wouldn't say I was afraid, but it was like, you know, you were, it went from being like, what's going on to, wow, this thing really knows we're right here. And then it actually did put a beam of light on me and my one friend that was standing there. And you could feel like real light tingles, like um, static electricity. It was kind of on your face. And then it shut the beam of light off. And we were like silent. We didn't say anything. And then uh, and the, the saucer or whatever it was sat there for a minute, just, you know, kind of silent, not making any noise. And then it shot back up in the sky like a shooting star in reverse. And that was it. I mean, it was hmm. that silent ah. was over. And then we turned around to see where our other friend was. And finally, we found him back inside the house. And he was all panicked and uh, breathing hard. And his ribs were chewed up from scrambling through the dog door, which is made for a smaller dog. So I don't know how he got through there. But um, anyway, that was the, the encounter that I had uh, early on. And it kind of really set the pattern for my obsession with UFOs and uh, researching, uh, you know, all the different phenomenon that's associated with it. But um and then I had a few more sightings here in Roswell, which were really neat. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, those are more modern sightings. So as far as like, you know, maybe they could have been a drone or some sort of special uh, military aircraft that they're testing that we don't know of. There's military bases those here as well. Hmm. Um, but uh, very, you know, very interesting. Have, yeah, interesting stuff there. And, and just so we're all on the same page, I know Lenny that you have had a couple experiences as well. Do you want to share some of those with us? I have. Um, well, I had one. I was leaving from Okotoks near Calgary to my grandma's house in North Battleford. I don't know if you remember there. We wrestled there. Yeah. And um, it's about a six-hour drive or so. And as I was driving, though, I left in the middle of the night. I, went, I hadn't seen a car on the road for quite a while. I remember looking up in my like the left hand of my the windshield and I saw like a, like a bright star 
But then it went to the other side of my windshield. But I, you know the roads there, they go for miles straight. Like there's no turn. Mm -hmm. So I didn't turn to make that move. And then it went back to the other side. And it did this about two or three times over the course of driving. And I'm just driving straight watching this. And all of a sudden it comes back to the left again. And then it just sort of zooms away and it's gone. But the crazy, the crazy thing, and I, I, I don't, want us i won't say what it is i have, don't, don't know i just saw something but it took me 13 hours to get to my grandparents to my grandma's house but it should have only taken six hmm. so it took, yeah it took me a long time to get there so um, you had time displacement is what it's called i guess yeah i'm not i like i can't say like i don't remember like i'm not gonna say it was accepted by alien or anything like that because i don't remember any of that i just know it took me a, a long time to get there and i can't really say how or when mm -hmm. but the other and i could go a little more in detail but i don't want to get too much into it. the other time was at the blue farmhouse which you know quite well right uh so me and lonnie were the only ones there and it was the middle of the night and i was downstairs and all of a sudden there was like a huge light shining in the window kind of mm -hmm. and in the driveway i mean to get to that house it's a it's a drive right and um so I was like thinking, who who's here at like, you know, two in the morning driving in the driveway. So and the light was super bright. And I can always tell when a car drives in because, you know, it kind of goes, the headlights go sort of bright and then they sort of turn a little bit and it shows shadows. But this is like the light, it felt like light just coming straight into the window. And when I went upstairs, Lonnie was there and he saw too. So, you know, I grab a bat and we go outside, but there's no cars anywhere. And so I'm like looking around the parking parking lot area, which is pretty big. And then um, I go down sort of halfway toward the barns, uh, more down to the east. And then all of a sudden there's like some helicopters go by and a, and a couple planes, which out there I've never seen that happen ever. Um, and that's when I was like freaked out. And I, we were like the, like the kind of UFO just kind of go by here. And then all of a sudden these these planes or helicopter are looking for them. I'm not sure. Wow. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's far. funny when you talk about time displacement, because I had that with you, uh, Len, when I was over at your house, the old blue farmhouse. And what this is, it was basically a, a, a house that was in the middle of a, basically a farm area. And I was driving back to Okotoks, which was, well, how long should that have taken? An hour? 45 minutes? Uh, to get to Okotoks to my house? Yeah. 20 minutes? 25 minutes, maybe? From my yeah. house, from, from Tyler's house to your house? About 30. Um, maybe 30 minutes, yeah. 35 minutes, yeah. So same thing. It took me three and a half hours to get home one night, and I don't know the reason why. Um, I just it, It's the same place, but I saw that, so there must be something there. Now, Brian, from your experience, because you sound like you're pretty you're pretty knowledgeable about this, that is called time displacement, right? Yes. And it's that's interesting, too, that it's happened in the same area, because they, they do frequent same areas um, like that so that's wow i didn't know that it was uh, like a multiple type sighting there you know that uh, i had i the sighting that i had when i was a kid i didn't really tell the rest of my family about it for a while then like years later my sister told me she saw uh, a flying saucer or a ufo out there at the same time that i did so uh, but it was a different you know a week or a month i'm not sure what it was but it was also the same area and that was also a, you know, a country, you know, farm type situation. So, yeah, the whole time displacement thing is, is 
pretty bizarre. That's huh. when when I had my um, encounter, there there was no time displacement displacement because I made sure I went right in to look at the clock, and there was nothing that had happened. No missing time. But, huh? That is so interesting. Both had it right there by the farm. And, and that's and like I said, I I always wondered what it was, but after kind of having quite a few UFO experts on, it's something that happens quite often. Like you said, it doesn't mean that you were abducted or that I was abducted, but something definitely went down with some sort of encounter, uh, whatever it may be. Um, Brian, let's go back to talk about Roswell. Um, what is okay. it? Uh, obviously, you know the original kind of area 5051 happened around that area but tell us kind of what it's like to be in roswell and what what are you what are the kind of the legends of the town and, and kind of the whole storyline behind it well it's uh, it goes back to uh, uh july 2nd 1947 when uh, mac brazel was the uh, the rancher that discovered the, the debris and the, the crash site field and uh it was during a thunderstorm he heard a noise that was like different than the thunder but he didn't have a chance to investigate it till the next day because he was uh, held up in a line shack. So it's one of those things that they put up for the guys that are out there on the ranch that can write a storm out. So he went the following day. That's that's when he saw the, the debris, and that was uh, July 3rd. But also that night uh, when he heard the, the weird sound of the crash or whatever it was, there was uh, two nuns from the St. Mary Hospital in Roswell that saw a red glowing light slowly descending to the northwest, and that's where the crash Took place was to the northwest of Roswell, and then uh, so the next day, though Mac Brazel took some of the wreckage and brought it into town, uh, uh, and uh, he brought it to Sheriff Wilcox, and Wilcox uh, called the intelligence officer at the uh, Roswell Army Airfield, Jesse Marcel, and then they all go out together to look at the debris field, and uh, uh, and then. Uh, at also at the same time, Glenn Dennis, which was uh, had the uh, Ballard Funeral Chapel, was getting calls from the military about getting some child-sized coffins brought in, and uh, and if they and how much more, uh, how many more coffins could he get? Because I guess he only had a few at that time. And then so after the, uh, the initial recovery of the of the debris and all that stuff, they brought Colonel Blanchard. I uh, told his PR officer to issue a press release about the recovery of the crash flying saucer on the branch. And the information is put on uh, the American wire. The military's philosophy was to inform the public that the craft was not there, so the public would not attempt to explore the, the crash site anymore. And then so they take uh, some of the, of the debris to General Ramey in Fort Worth, Texas, and General Ramey tells Marcel to step out of the room. And then when they come back into the room, they, have, they switch the the debris out and that's when they brought in the uh you know the supposed uh, crash weather balloon and that's the picture that we all see those guys standing there holding pieces of the weather balloon but i've talked to jesse marcel senior and he's uh, he's another military guy too he's a i think he's an army and the doctor and in the army and he said that it was absolutely different stuff that they switched out for the pictures because he saw it when he was a kid his dad brought some of the wreckage home and showed it to him when he was i think eight or nine years old and then there's supposedly there was like live aliens too that they recovered. Some were dead, some were alive, and uh, and then they switched their story the next day. Then it turned into a weather balloon, and that's how all the myth and the legends got started. Supposedly that's all the wreckage was taken to uh, Area 51, and that's where they did all the uh, reverse engineering and um, 
and trying to figure out how everything worked. And that's how the that whole Area 51 legend kind of got started out there. You know, and because it's, it's such a, you know, a, like we said, a legendary thing at this time. And of course, the whole storm Area 51 that's going to happen on September 20th. Uh, what's the yeah. kind of thoughts on that in, in, in Roswell? Well, I, you know, I, a lot of people think it's kind of, uh, you know, crazy to, I, I don't know what they think they're going to do if they storm Area 51. That's one of the most heavily guarded, uh, you know, military bases that we have. But um, uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I know I'm offering 10% discount to all the survivors. If they want to come through the spacewalk, I'll be ready to take them in. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great if the, it's, it's like an Independence Day when they're all top of the, the, the roof of the, of the <laughs> Come and take us with you, and they just blow them all up and just shoot them all. Yeah, you know? but uh, but you know that area, the whole Area Fifty One thing is very, uh, uh, you know, that's a whole another legend too. With all the uh, there's supposedly there's a huge like labyrinth underneath. They call them the deep underground military bases. DUMB is the you know the short, but uh, it's supposed to be just I mean ongoing with uh, different layers of security and. Uh, like, People aren't supposed to know what each other are doing. Like you're always supposed to take care of what your whatever your certain section of work is, so you don't know what the next section or what the next level is. But um, and supposedly they're all connected throughout the world. There's supposed to be deep underground military bases through all out the world where they can travel, like I guess in these little vacuum tubes and just get there like in no time. I mean, I, I guess we won't know till we storm Area 51 on the 20th. <laughs> How did that even all start in the first place? You know, I think someone just started that, I think, on the Internet. And it just kind of, you know, how things catch fire like that. And uh, so I'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with all of that. But as far as like how that affects stuff here in Roswell, it's, you know, I get a lot of people that come in and want to know where Area 51 is. And a lot of people don't realize it's not here in, in New Mexico. It's, it's in Nevada. It's just an hour north of Las Vegas. But it's uh, Roswell and Area 51 are so synonymous that a lot of people think that we're like close to each other, but it's not. But we're both high desert. You know? Okay, gotcha. And, uh, and another you know unique thing too about the whole Roswell connection with the uh, UFOs and the nuclear power sites is that uh, you know we had the uh, the Almogordo test site is where uh, the first nuclear bomb was ever detonated, and that's right here in New Mexico too. That's one of the you know the big tourist things. People want to go out to the White Sands area and see the uh, Amagordo test site, and that's where they detonated the first bomb called Trinity. It was codenamed Trinity. And the second one was detonated in Hiroshima. So that wasn't the first. Hiroshima was the second nuclear device that was ever de- detonated. But they, for some reason, all these, during the construction of Trinity, there I guess they were just constantly uh, seeing UFOs. I mean, they had so many uh, UFOs going on full time that they were Everyone knew not to talk about it, and this is before they even detonated the first bomb. So I'm not sure what the attraction is between UFOs and nuclear sites, but there's something there because it's like for sure interested in what we're doing. Now, Lynn, what have you heard about all that, about all the stuff we've been discussing? I heard all uh, about the Area 51 stuff. I had a couple questions for Brian, if that's okay. Of course. Lay it on me. So they say that the, um, the crash was later in the 90s, I think. That Didn't they come out with, they said it was Project Mogul or something yeah. like that um, yeah. with the weather balloon? But yeah. I also have heard, um, and you can maybe elaborate a little more, that the aliens that they found were, they had just dropped dummies or crash test dummies well, to the ground, which, something yeah. like that. 
Well, that was uh, they the the military. They changed their story in the nineties. There was, you know, they it's been a cover up since the beginning. It, their first story that they came out with was that they recovered the flying disc, which I believe, which was the true one. And then just mm-hmm. a day, or a couple days later, then they came out with the weather balloon thing. Right. And then and then in the nineties, they came out with the other story that was a different type of weather balloon. And the little bodies that were found were high altitude test dummies that were uh, designed to, you know, be dropped from heights so they can measure the different uh, information, you know, when they hit the ground. But the test dummies were six foot tall. So people aren't going to confuse them with like, you know, small little gray guys. And, uh, and, you know, here's the other thing too. When they, when they brought Jesse Marcel senior was the head of intelligence at the only operating nuclear uh, facility at that time, which was right here in Roswell, and they brought him, the head of intelligence, they brought him out to investigate the crash. And he's not going to know the difference between a low-tech radar balloon and, and you know, some strange, you know, flying saucer debris. It's, it's kind of insulting that they that they would even try to pass Didn't out. they find some, like, tin foil sort of metal that was, like, super indestructible or something? Yes, they had, yes, like, memory. That, that was the stuff that uh, Jesse Marcel Sr. brought back home to show his son. And it was, like, memory metal. You couldn't cut it you couldn't uh, slice it in any way but you could fold it up and it would come back to its original position and he also brought back some of the uh, the i-beam looking things that had the hieroglyphics on it and all that with uh you know yeah. there's all kinds of different stories about how how that stuff was uh, put together but the uh the rancher that found it originally his they his story changed after they kept him in a guard shack for like uh, 48 hours and not talk to anybody and uh he was uh you know, then after they let him out of the guard shack, his story changed and he wouldn't talk to anybody else uh, the rest of his life about what he saw or what he'd recovered from the ranch. That, that's incredible. And, uh, I always laugh too. Like, how many times have you ever seen a weather balloon? <laughs> like, where, where the hell yeah. are these old <laughs> weather balloons, right? Also, wasn't there multiple crash sites or am I wrong on that? Well, they're, they're say there's supposed to be two of them. One was up by Corona, which was about 75 miles north of Roswell, but you know, the stories get kind of muddy, uh, but um, as far as the uh, the second crash, you know, it's hard to say, but there's there's supposedly been a few different crashes that have been recovered that have that kept better wraps on. The, the military is supposed to have a, a rapid response team, and if they crash anywhere in the world, like, we try to get, you know, the UFOs first. And uh, if we go back to uh, the beginning of World War II, uh, the Nazis were working on, you know, their wonder weapons. Uh, that was part of their arsenal, too, was, you know, coming up with some sort of flying disc that could, uh, you know, do stuff that conventional aircraft couldn't. And, uh, and their, their original name for them was Foo Fighters. And this was before we were brought into the war. They because they saw a lot of like weird, uh, you know, flying saucer type lights during the uh, early part of the World War II on the French and German border. And that's how that term came into being with the Foo Fighters. And uh, so, and then at the end of World War II, we brought all those you know, Nazi scientists back, Hermann Oberth and uh, Werner von Braun, all the guys that were the top brains with all their, you know, V2 rockets and all of that. So I'm sure that uh, those guys were essential in, you know, helping uh, reverse engineer any wreckage that we could find, or even they had their own technology too on how to make these things work. So, so reverse engineering, is that like... From listening to Art Bell back in the day, Chris, you remember Bob yeah. Lazar? He of course. was a reverse engineering guy. Yes, and it, that's what he did too. It, right, exactly. At Area 51, he was a guy that reversed engineered technology. 
You know, it's an interesting thing because uh, I just had uh, actually a secret. His name was SMQ. He wouldn't give his real name who had government informants and basically was telling me of all this stuff that actually in the Washington Post, I guess about geez, a couple months ago, it basically announced that the Navy has said that UFOs are real. They're legit. Yeah. Uh, not not admitting to little, you know, little alien guys, but saying that UFOs, unidentified flying objects are exact, uh, actually existing, saying it's all part of the, the, the slow weaning of society into the reveal that aliens, you know, live among us. And all of these things are pointing in that direction as well. Yes, I agree 100%. Like they've been kind of preparing us, I, like even from the early stages of like during the 40, uh, the 50s, when all the uh, sci-fi movies started, uh, then all the shows that started coming out in the 60s, you know, Star Trek and everything. It's kind of been like a slow indoctrination to accept the, the reality that uh, there could be life from out there and uh, aliens, you know, are, are part of the, the big picture. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know if you guys remember when they did uh, the original uh, War of the Worlds radio broadcast with Orson Welles, and I think that was in the 30s. A lot of people didn't uh, tune into the beginning of that broadcast, and they took it as a real uh, like news broadcast because it was done like a you know, like it was real. But it was a you know it was a spoof. But if you didn't tune into the beginning, you didn't know that it was a spoof broadcast, and it created panic. I mean, a lot of people just thought it was the end of the world. So I think that's another reason, like, they try to keep stuff under wrap because it would really mess with a lot of people's view, you know, on, on religion, everything. Uh, but, yeah, but I, I do believe they are, uh, it's like slow indoctrination to get everyone to accept uh, the reality that they are out there. And it's there's more sightings. Uh, it's burgeoning. There's more sightings now than ever. It's, it's a phenomenon that's not going away. It's only growing. So it's... Especially with all the explanations, I actually we were just uh, I live in Florida and Tampa, and right down the road, about an hour and a half away, there's a beach called Longboat Keys, and we were there uh, around July fourth. And my wife and her sister saw a very strange kind of combination of lights in the sky and lights going up and down. And then the next day, of course, that was a, it was meteors, and it's, it looked nothing like a meteor. Like it's just right. the 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 explanation is just throwing around, and you're like, that's not even it's not even close anymore, you know? No. Oh. And, you know, there's a, when they had that uh, uh, Project Blue Book, uh, the guy that they, uh, J. Allen Hynek, the guy they got to head that up, he was the official debunker for the military. Mm -hmm. And after he had been, you know, investigating all the cases, he did a complete, uh, you know, turnaround. And he was like, yes, they are real. And uh, and he was like, uh, he, he put out a few books on it, too. But it's, you know, there's there's certain things that you just can't blow off as swamp gas and uh or is there a meteor? Uh, especially when you have all the evidence that uh, he had access to, and you watch him do a complete 360 from being a debunker to a true believer. Was that, that's just another testimony of what's you know, the reality of the UFOs. When you talk about storming Area 51, you know we're making kind of jokes about it, etc. What do you think, and, and what do you know, the local people think in Roswell is actually at Area 51. I know you said it's not in Roswell per se, but it's very close. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think they think it's uh, a military, a secret military base, and uh, it's very guarded. And it's, from what I understand, you can't even really get close enough to approach it without being confronted by, uh, you know, the, an armed response. And there's supposed to be sensors and cameras. 
and uh, just drones everywhere. To, like there's there there is no sneaking up on Area 51. They see you so far off, and uh, and they're and they do have it posted that you will be met with you know an armed response there too. But as far as the people, a lot of the people here take the whole UFO thing, the Area 51 thing, kind of like. Uh, you know, like in everyday life, it's it's kind of almost normal to them uh, because it's, you know, they've been so, I guess, you know, entrenched in the whole UFO thing for I, I, since 1947. So, so I mean, and that's once again, so shrouded in, in mystery over the years. Uh, it sure is. And, you know, there's, but there's, I think there's, we're getting a clearer picture as time goes on. There's been so many good researchers, you know, that have brought new things to life. You know, just you know, the fact that the U.S. government now is like has released some of the footage from you know their fighter pilots of of the UFOs that they've captured on their you know infrared cameras and stuff. That's that's another step to uh, admitting. Or when they when they all retire from the from the service, then they all come out and tell tell a completely different story that they told when they were in. Yes, or when they're on their deathbed too. Though a lot of them, like a lot of ast- almost every astronaut has had encounters with. UFOs, and even before we went to the moon, we were just going out and testing, you know, the the rockets and the, the different uh, high altitude planes. Those guys always saw something, and uh, I guess when uh, the story is when they got to the moon originally, there was already flying saucers and uh, you know different uh, life forms already on the moon when they got there. They were told just to be quiet about all that, and that whole conspiracy about the moon landing was fake. I do believe there is some fake footage. Because some of the original footage just couldn't be seen because it would, you know, it would give away what was really going on on the moon. As far as, you know. What do you think about that, Brian? What do you think about that, Lenny? Do you think we went to the moon? I think we went to the moon. I, I do too. I don't think we did. I just can't buy with the amount of technology that we have in this day and age where a cell phone becomes obsolete within a year that if we yeah. had the technology to go to the moon and hang out there in 1969 that there wouldn't be a McDonald's on the moon or a Starbucks flag or Richard Branson, you know, you know what I mean? It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't jibe with me that we just stop going. That's not how mankind works. Well, you know, your, your cell phone has more intelligence and more operating power than I think the whole capsule to go up there. At the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, my theory is that we did go and that we are, we are still going, but it's just not anything that they're uh, publicly letting anyone know about. There's a, it's a secret because you're right. Why would we go and then stop? I mean, we spent so much money to get there. And uh, I, I, I think that we did. And I think there is some fake footage that the government did, too, to cover up other you know stuff that they maybe didn't want us to know. But uh, from what I understand, it is we've never stopped going there. It, uh, there is a base there, and like, uh, but it's something that you know we're not supposed to know. But, uh, but yeah, you're so right. As far as the technology, the, uh, the the modern phone has so much more computing power than the whole Apollo space capsule. Well, the one thing that always I always question about the moon is here on Earth we drill into it like we drill all the time. Like, why wouldn't you be drilling into the moon for things? Well, I heard that the moon could be actually hollow, too. Like when the astronauts landed, there was the Soviets were trying to send a uh, at the same time that we landed. The Soviets sent, I think it was just a uh, like a moon probe or like, a you know, an explorer. It was an unmanned craft and it crashed on the moon. And we had our 
our instrument set up to record that. And they said the moon rang like a bell, like it was hollow. Really? So, yes. And so it's supposed to be like, you know, maybe the moon's artificial. It could be an artificial construct. Um, well, we've heard that before. We've heard that it's uh, it's made of metal and it's basically an alien satellite. I mean, I've heard a lot of different yeah. theories about what exactly the moon is. Yep. Yes, so it could I, be a space station of some sort. Well, yes. Yeah. If you want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, there you know, there's a million different things, you know? Yes. Uh, Lenny, if and the it, moon was made of green cheese, would you eat it? Well, hell yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Brian. You know, once again, I, I'm trying to get more of a feel for what it's like to be in Roswell. I mean, how long have you lived there for? Okay, uh, well, I, I live actually. I lived here about 15 years ago, and I, I uh, for about four years, and I moved back to uh, California. I needed to make some money, and and because uh, things kind of fell apart uh, personally on on my end. But uh, when I came back here, it was uh, I wanted to you know open up the, my little UFO shop here and, and do this thing, but. Uh, as far as living here, I, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're high desert. We're just about a mile high. So you get great views of the skies and it has like a kind of a, almost a supernatural feel to it. Like you can feel like the energies, mm. I don't know, it's, it's like the veil between the natural and the supernatural is kind of thin here. Like there's different hot spots, you know, where you like in Florida and, and throughout the world, like where there's, where you get more uh, connection with, uh, paranormal ufos there's like certain areas that are just more uh targets for that mm -hmm. sort of thing and uh, and the people that are here are up, all in all they're really nice and uh it's like it's got kind of a hometown feel to it you know it's kind of like a, a retro style may uh, you know mayberry rfb but it's uh, it's growing we keep growing every year there's more people that move here but it's like, as far as UFO and alien shops, man, they're all up and down Main Street. We got a McDonald's that looks like a flying saucer. Uh, we have our uh, uh, Baskin Robbins. It has this giant alien holding up the sign. It's, it's our version of the Colossus of Rhodes, I guess. <laughs> and, but it's just uh, everywhere you go, all like almost everyone incorporates the uh, the alien or the UFO logo into their business or their you know their sign. Sure. So they're, they're really working it for the tourist aspect, similar when you go to, to, you know, Inverness, Scotland, it's all about the Loch Ness Monster. But if you're living there for 15 years, have you met people that have that have had sightings and, and that sort oh, of yeah. thing? So tell us about oh, some yeah. of those. Well, there's been quite a few people that say they're still seeing stuff here, too. And as, as, and I did, too. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen anything recently, but uh, there still seems like there's activity here. And especially it's to the north part of town, as far as I noticed, too. And the, the one thing that I did see was like, once again, it's just another ball of light, uh, but they, they shoot around and they stop. And then it opened up like kind of like a donut where you can see the hole in the middle and then it would elongate like a uh, you know, kind of like a racetrack shape. And then all of a sudden it would shrink back to one single ball of light and start shooting around again. And uh, and then also when I after I got through seeing that, it was I did see a stealth fighter and some other like fighter jets fly right back over in the same area. And I don't know how that's all connected. And then, uh, and there's all, there's other phenomenon too, like, uh, like flying humanoids, believe it or not, there's like some weird things that people see flying through the air. And this is, these are like daytime sites. Flying what? <laughs> they call them flying humanoids. Huh. It's kind of like a human shape, but they're like apparently just flying through the air with, you know, without the aid of a jet pack or, 
and they just they have like some bizarre shapes to them and I, I actually i saw one and it looked like the head was like a little bit disconnected above the body and i saw this right over my house and i had a real good view of them through my binoculars and it, it's very bizarre i mean there's a lot of uh like I say, a lot of it could be connected to supernatural stuff. You know, I you know, a lot of times the flying humanoids could look almost like a witch flying on a broom. So a lot of these phenomenon have been around forever, too. Like, you know, we go back to the uh, you know, cave paintings and uh, and the, all the early recordings of man. It always seems like there's always been a flying saucer, alien presence. And it's, it, and it's that holds true through uh, almost every uh, civilization throughout the world. Is there like a vortex around Roswell area? I would say so. I mean, it's, uh, I would say we are a sort of a vortex here because uh, there's, you know, there's been so much uh, activity for so many years here and combined with that, with our, with what we do here with the military, with the, uh, like I'd say we had the first nuclear uh, bomb set off here. There's just so many things that are happening here. I think it is a, a vortex and a, definitely a big magnet for that sort of activity here because I still see it happening. And other people have, that have come in here to talk with me, you know, we talk with a lot of like-minded people. And there's a lot of people that have seen similar stuff that is very bizarre. And it's still going on. So would that be Roswellian syndrome or what is that? <laughs> yes. Well, that, actually, that's what they call the people that live here is Roswellians. But... Yes, I guess it would be the Roswellian syndrome. What's the Roswellian so, syndrome? I, I guess where we get so used to seeing flying saucers is no big deal. <laughs> Don't even care anymore, right? Yeah. 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 That, that house that I lived at in the country here, I, I would see such so much stuff going on. And it would keep lasting and lasting. Finally, I got tired. So well, I need to go to, you know, go to bed and go inside. I'm just, you know, I was looking at it through my uh, telescope or my binocular. But it was, it was almost every other night I could really see something that I thought was really unique. And uh, and then, like I said, there was daytime sightings as well. I still freaking out about the fact you saw it looks like a witch on a broom. It's, they, they kind of, yes, they, it kind of looks like that. And uh, if you do like a, a Google search or a YouTube search for flying humanoids, a lot of them have that appearance. Or some of them just appear like, you know, like someone flying a jetpack, but there's no jetpack, there's no sound, and they don't, they don't have really true human shapes. It's just kind of human-esque. And uh, I, I don't know what it could have been, but once again, it's all no, no sound. So you don't think that's military training, you know, military base? You know, I don't know, and that's what I would. You know, I talked with some of the uh, local guys down at the UFO museum, and they they don't know either because we have we do have a lot of military bases around here. So, you know, you think with all the the areas that they have to practice and fly their test craft with, they wouldn't do it over you know rural areas or town, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is on a lot of this stuff, but that's that's why this mystery is so neat because it is captivating. Why uh, why Roswell? Do you think, Brian? What is it about that area? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess there's certain uh, like uh, vortexes throughout the world that are hotspots for aliens and you know the supernatural. I know uh, like Taos, New Mexico. New Mexico's got its fair share of hotspots. I know Taos is another hotspot. And there's supposed to be all sorts of weird things that happen there where, you know, like I say, where the, where the veil is thin between the natural and the supernatural. And, uh, and it's like, if you look all throughout history too, like people, whenever they want to get close to the, like to the supernatural, they, they'll like, they'll climb a mountain or there's always sacred mountains where they can, I guess, talk with God or, or whatever higher power that they want to talk with. And, uh, 
Roswell seems to be like one of those places where it's like it's where it's easier to, I guess, get a glimpse into the other reality that's out there. Yeah, that's uh, once again, it's always interesting to me how certain areas have, you know, activity, whether it's more spiritual activity, paranormal activity. And now with all the like you said, all this alien activity that you that you see that you see in, in, in Roswell. So there's obviously something more to it than just the legend, right? Absolutely. And there could be, uh, you know, like it's the, the original, uh, I think it was the Mescalero tribe that lived here before. They had the same story of, you know, of seeing all the lights in the sky and they, this, the, you know, the sky gods. Almost every uh, indigenous uh, Indian tribe uh, talks about the sky people that come down. And, um, and that's, and then once again, that's another thing that's true throughout the world. Uh, you know, as far as like uh, the pyramids, uh, you know, in uh, Mexico and all the Aztecs and the Incas, they all supposedly got started. Their civilizations got started by the sky gods that came down and showed them, you know, how to build these things and uh, and, and had got them started on civilization. Well, there's the carvings down there that showed them. Hello, hello. This is so strange. We just had a complete. Lockdown of, uh... Hello? Are you there? Yes. That was so yeah. weird. Right in the middle of all this conversation, the power went out of my house. Everything. Me, we had an art bell moment. Yeah, yes, we me, did. It's- can you hear me, Lynn? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the power just went out and everything went black in my podcast room. And I lost Wi-Fi, and I went out and asked my handyman who's here what happened. He said he has no idea. The power went out for no reason, and uh, the generator kicked on, and then the, the Wi-Fi just rebooted. So total Art Bell moment, right? Total Art Bell, Area 51 moment. Like, yeah. you know, oh, huh, it's funny. It's a coincidence, but let's be honest. <laughs> you you <laughs> well, always wonder strong. who's listening in, right? So uh, yeah. maybe they didn't want us to talk about this stuff. Very, very creepy. Wow, that's a trip. Um, yeah, like literally, I, literally I a little bit freaked you. out right now. <laughs> Brian, which is a little off off the Roswell. As far as the aliens, do you think there's like different species like grays or lizards? Like you always oh, hear yeah. about the lizard men. Yeah, I sure do. You know, we've you know we've always heard the you know the little green men, but uh, I you know if you open up the door for one species, you have to open up the door for all of them. Because, you know, like, look at the different life just here on planet Earth. And every time they think that there's life, there's a condition for life which is too inhospitable, like the bottom of the sea, something like that, they'll, they'll have a submarine that can go down there. And now we know life thrives at the bottom of the sea. There's for every sort of weird living condition, there seems like there's a life that's designed that, exactly that can live there and thrive. Volcanoes? Well, yeah, yes, I'm, I guess there's some sort of weird bacteria that live close to volcanoes and like there's uh, volcanic vents that are in the bottom of the ocean. It's like, it's weird. It's almost like a whole, you know, bizarre space type life form. And these and weird you, told me, you told me one time about uh, UFOs going into volcanoes. Oh, yeah. Well, if there's a big attraction between UFOs and volcanoes, I don't know what it is, but a lot of the uh, different governments throughout the world have stationary cameras that are set up to monitor the volcanic activity and that's how they wind up capturing a lot of these ufos that are they always fly uh, around them or hover next to them or sometimes fly straight into the uh, mouth of the volcano. and uh, i don't know what their 
their traction is to it, if they're refueling or, or what's going on, and maybe the volcanoes themselves are some sort of gateway to a, a base that's, you know, within the, the earth. Who knows? And, you know, uh, there's a lot of the uh, UFOs are supposedly be able to uh, kind of like pass through um, matter, like they're like they can pass through solid things. Like sometimes when they beam, uh, like when they abduct people too, and they take them out of their house. A lot of people report that they just come right up through the ceiling or through a window that's closed. But somehow they're they're you know, your your matter can pass through another matter. I don't know how that's all accomplished, but uh, that's one of those things that's uh, another you know, mystery with the UFOs. They can pass, you know, through solid objects. And that's another ghost type thing that they have in common. And, uh, but as far as like the, the, the volcanoes uh, being a hot spot with the uh, UFOs, that's another thing that's all over the world. For whatever reason, uh, you know, they just love those things. Uh, and then Mount Rainier, where Kenneth Arnold saw the, you know, coined the term flying saucer, Mount Rainier is a volcano. So, yeah, it's weird. There's, there's, certain, there's certain attractions to those, uh, uh, to whatever energy they're putting on. I don't know if it's a porthole to the uh, to underground bases. I, I have no idea. But uh, and then also their attraction to uh, nuclear facilities, too. That's another thing that's worldwide. Wherever there's a power plant or whatever, they seem to really want to monitor and, and hover and, and check out those places. Yeah, um, you, you know, we were uh, had the opportunity to go to NATO in Colorado Springs a few years ago where we were classified and debriefed and given, you know, the right credentials. You couldn't take pictures when you're in there because they didn't want any pictures of the credentials. And, you know, that's basically carved into the side of a, of, a, of a mountain. And it's the door is like a quarter of a mile thick and it's basically if there's a nuclear war that's where everybody would go the president would go there and they've got an underground city where you can live for 30 days and whatever it is and right. you know acting like a hot shot of course i'm like hey where do you guys keep the aliens at and, and none of the guys were laughing and some of it might be like you don't, don't screw around with that or like this isn't funny there's so much that they know that we don't. It's so obvious. And I think as we get closer to this end game, whatever it may be, there's yep. going to be a full on reveal. I just don't know when it's going to be. What do you think about that, Lenny? I totally think you're on to something with all that. Um, it's obviously been a cover up since day one because what's his name? Marcel back in Roswell. Marcel. Yep. It's like his, like, wasn't it like 50 years later? Like his, he, he, totally told the whole story like yes. so he came clean so like all these guys if it was true what they said to begin with they wouldn't change their mind later you know because mm -hmm. it's obviously sitting on their soul that they're keeping this big secret because they're telling everyone the truth you know yes and a lot of it's to protect their families too from you know I guess everyone gets the heavy pressure from the military to shut up you know you hear that uh, story repeated you know, from almost everyone that has seen or encountered uh, something like that, then has later on in life revealed what they've seen, like on their deathbed or to some of their kids. But what do you know about the mysterious Project Mogul? Have you heard about this, Brian? Uh, yeah. Um, and the Mogul was that the? Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Was that the one where they're uh, trying to call that the weather balloon or? Yeah, it's, I was just looking through some Roswell stuff, and it just says uh, that it was more of a. Like I think that was like, yeah, it was like a high altitude uh, 
balloon that was always it was to uh, to to detect any um, for nuclear tests throughout the world. I guess if they got it high enough, they can pick up whatever testing is being done with the different you know countries doing their their nuclear programs. Yeah, basically saying if they sent these certain frequencies into the atmosphere, they'd be able to eavesdrop on nuclear tests like in the Soviet Union and that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. I think we had that. I mean, that's definitely one of the things that we have. But I, I think at the same time that the, the, the wreckage of that compared to what uh, they originally found is just uh, it just doesn't jive. Right. Like they're that, saying that 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 was kind of with the wreckage, and they're blaming. They're saying that the, that that wreckage was was you know the weather balloon story that we're talking about the crash site. Right. And uh, that's where all the foil and all that stuff came from. That's the, and then when they switched all that wreckage out for the pictures, those famous pictures that they took, mm-hmm. it was supposedly that's what they brought in was that, you know, the, the foil and the stuff from a Project Mogul uh, balloon. But it was according to Jesse Marcel Sr., he said that was just, uh, they completely switched out the, uh, the wreckage before they took those pictures. And another interesting thing too is like uh, General Ramey's holding a note in his hand while they're taking those pictures. With modern, you know, uh, computers and stuff, they were able to enlarge that note that's in his hand. And I don't know why, why he chose to hold the note while he was taking those pictures. But what they had brought up and read the note was take the disc and the recovered bodies to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and have a really great picture of it over here at the uh, Roswell UFO Museum. Uh-huh. The blow-up of, uh, of the note that was in General Ramey's hand. So it was almost kind of like... I don't know, almost like a, a time capsule type thing where he kept that in his hand. So maybe in the future, someone would be able to pull that, you know, somehow enlarge and decipher what the note said, because enough of the note is exposed towards the camera to where you can, can read it. And they, they have, you know, they've, they've blown it up and they've, uh, and they got the words out. And most of them that are legible, it's, it's basically, it says, you know, the same thing, just take the disc and recovered bodies and, Flying to the right Patterson Air Force Base. Wow. I mean, once again, you're talking about sightings and you're talking about wreckage and photos of dead aliens, which you can you can read all this stuff online. And um, you know, it seems like Roswell is the most alien populated uh, area of the <laughs> yeah. country. It's quite possible that you actually uh, know some aliens, Brian. You could be hanging well, out with them already. <laughs> There's supposedly supposed to be alien hybrids, you know, that are amongst us that look just like humans. So <laughs> I'm sure I do. Uh, I know during the UFO parade, I had so many people come in here with foil hats and alien outfits. I'm sure I had a few sneak in. But as long as they paid, I don't care. <laughs> What's the deal with the foil hats? It's supposed to be <laughs> to block uh, the brain waves, you know, from the aliens. So and, and, and the men in black so they can't mess with our minds while we're uh, sitting here and exposing it. I guess we should have put our foil hats on before we started this. <laughs> yeah, maybe we wouldn't have <laughs> cut off our, uh, our, our, our power in that case, for sure. Well, that's a definite uh, men in black technique. They, I guess we were scratching too close to the truth, so they tried to sabotage our little power. Do you think the men in black are a real thing? Yes, I do. And I think they could be uh, another, you know, maybe another hybrid. Like I'm saying, if you open up the door to one kind of alien, you have to open up the door to all all the different types. The rect, you know, the reptilians, the the grasshopper looking ones, the little tiny ones, the Chewbacca looking ones, and uh, and on another side note, it's weird too how many times Bigfoot and UFOs are seen together. There's like a weird connection with Bigfoot. 
So that's, <laughs> I don't know how that all fits together, but a lot of times when people have a, uh, a Sasquatch sighting, there's always a, a UFO sighting nearby or right next to it. Yeah, that's a whole other, a whole other theory that Sasquatches are actually UFOs as well. Yeah, and there's like, there's supposed to be a, like another supernatural component to them. Like a lot of the Native American Indians say that they've, they've watched them just disappear. Like they can, they've tracked this one big foot out into the middle of a, an opening. It was a field and the foot, the big foot disappeared and the, the foot trip, the footprints stopped right there. And they're, they're like, they got some kind of, I don't know, other powers that we don't understand. Just as, as we wind down here in the last couple of things is, is, you know, we talk about the reveal and talk about all the stuff that's going on. Um, what do you think is going to happen over the next few years, Len? Do you think there's going to be a timeline on this? Are we getting close to... Uh, to, to... I, I really... Yes, I, I think we do. Chris, I think that there's going to be a, a disclosure, an, an official disclosure. It's, it would probably be from the U.S. Uh, because, you know, we're... If it comes from us, it's going to carry more weight because uh, other you know, countries have already admitted that there's UFOs. But I think for some reason, if we have an official disclosure coming from the U.S., it will. Uh, I think it'll be a, kind of a you know a big deal. And uh, but I think also it's going to be accompanied by uh, some s- stuff that you know we can't deny. It's going to be like so blatant and in our face with whatever that's going to cause this full disclosure to come about, that it's, there's going to be no denying it anymore. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think that's going to be soon, like I would say within a, a decade. What do you think, Len? I don't know. Like it, You'd think that they would come out a little bit more, but I think they're definitely still figuring out spaceship technologies because they're coming out with more planes all the time with better better technology so i don't know how all that fits in i know that's what area 51 is all about right that's where they're breaking down the spaceships i I just think if they come right out with stuff it's going to be too much mass hysteria i don't know yeah and well there has been i guess they call it soft disclosure like some of these uh but but they're still coming out with like the project mogul where they're they're still coming out with oh no it's it was weather balloons you know they're not yes right out there and how can you trust them if they change their story so many times? They're obviously covering up something to begin with. And I think the original story was the, the, the correct story. They, they recovered a flying disc. I, I think uh, it's really interesting to me the fact that, you know, we're making kind of light about the, the storm area 51. But I think, you know, if there's a million people signed up and people nowadays are looking for something to do, for lack of a better term, it, you know, if, 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 if a thousand people show up or a hundred thousand people show up, it'll be interesting to see what happened. Obviously, the military isn't going to screw around. But, you know, I mean, if they get too close, who knows what might go down? There could be some kind of a riot uh, or this could be um, some sort of a, a, a planned thing to, to make a big reveal. I mean, who, maybe it's maybe it's some kind of a of a, of a work from the government to, to I, you know, I think it's be very but you, interesting. But, you know. But back in Vietnam, when they when they protested at the campuses, they shot people, and that was they shot people, and you know, just for, for the protest. So I'm thinking this is already an area that they're not supposed to be in. So don't you think that they'll use force to push people back if they had to? Yeah, but it's like what Chris was saying, though, like that's it, an interesting concept. It could be like a managed agenda from the government. Maybe they 
you know, started something like this to get the people to come out there. And maybe this could be part. Oh, there'll be like a close encounter to the third kind where everyone yes. goes there and then the spaceship yeah. will rise up. Yes, and this could be part of the, uh, you know, the reveal. Um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting concept that this could, this whole thing could be a managed, uh, you know, managed agenda with the whole Storm Area 51 thing because it's definitely caught fire. And this, you know, if they're, if they're, Whoever is orchestrating this, if this is the time to do it, I, that would be actually a really good time. Yeah, I think September 20th is going to be a very interesting time, uh, Brian, and you should definitely uh, keep your doors open because uh, people will be looking for something to do before they storm before <laughs> sure storm if you want to get shot. You know, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, I will definitely offer discounts to all survivors. Hey, anybody that comes from, if they mention Talk is Jericho, will you give them a discount? Oh, yes, I will. There you go. Uh, hey, and uh, and not only that, will I give them a discount, they will also get a free sticker to wear on their lapel, too. So they'll get the deluxe treatment. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there's some interesting stuff coming up, like we said. But I think September 20th, the storming of Area 51 is going to be the start of something very uh, interesting. Uh, but thank yeah. you, Brian, and thanks for organizing this, Lenny. And um Hopefully, uh, you, hopefully we won't find out in a few years that we were anally probed by uh, ET time <laughs> displacement. <laughs> I, I usually find out the next day, but <laughs> they'll have to kill me to get me to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, guys, no, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Chris. I appreciate right, it. See you, bro. Talk to you, brother. All right, bye. See you, man. All right, check out Brian Ward's UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico. Tell him that you heard about it on Talk is Jericho, and he'll give you a discount on the admission. You heard it here first. Thanks to uh, to Dr. Luther and to uh, to Brian Ward. And don't forget to hit me up on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho. If you do head out to either the Alien Stock in downtown Las Vegas tomorrow, or if you go to the Area 51 Base Camp Gathering in Hico, Nevada this weekend, Keep me posted. Let me know what's going on. I need to uh, find out more information. If you have some crazy stories, maybe we'll even have you uh, come on Talk is Jericho to discuss them. And hit me up on the Twitter if you're going to be on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager C Part de when we set sail on January 20th. We're sold out, man. Completely sold out. But there's good news. You can still add your name to the waiting list at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. That means if somebody decides to cancel or uh, try to pay with Monopoly money or something uh, and they can't use their cabin, can't, can't take the cabin, you still have a chance to come on board so chrisjerichocruise.com sign up for the waiting list be a part of the vacation of a lifetime with rick flair the nwo jake the snake roberts fozzy uh killer queens uh aew is going to be there kenny omega cody the young bucks luchasaurus penelope ford sammy Guevara, ddp is going to be there beyond the darkness telling ghost stories lots of fun stuff so go to chrisjerichocruise.com now and sign up for the waiting list you still have a chance to go even though we are sold out and come see Fozzie as the Unleashed in the West Tour rolls on this week after a huge, uh, a huge week. Great gigs in Sacramento and in Las Vegas. And of course, with Iron Maiden in Los Angeles at the Bank of California Stadium. One of the best nights of our career. And what, what, what a show it was. Uh, if you were there, we thank you. And if you're in San Diego tonight, September 18th at Brick by Brick, we'll see you there. Tempe, Arizona, September 19th. September 20th, we're in Tucson. September 21st, El Paso at Speaking Rock with Sons of Texas and Jared James Nichols, who's on all the shows with us. Uh, September 25th in da Dallas with Sons of Texas and Jared James Nichols. Uh, September 26th in Houston, 27 Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We finish off uh, September 28th in uh, Atlanta at the Masquerade. All ticket information and Fozzie VIP info at uh, FozzieRock.com. Come by uh, and, and hang out with us before the show. We play a, a little concert just for you, four or five songs, songs you're not going to hear later.
later fun stuff we meet you we greet you we hang out we do lots of cool stuff so we'll see you then uh, and we'll see you on Friday when we are uh, who we gonna who we gonna put on Friday let me see who we got on. oh I know PWI 500 Pro Wrestling Illustrated the annual top 500 uh, Seth uh, Rollins was the winner this year we talked to uh, Dan Murphy from Pro Wrestling Illustrated about the history of the, uh, of the list the top 500 where did I what was my best year lots of great stuff who's the biggest star that it was at number 500 that actually became a star. There is one. So come join us on Friday. And remember, if you're going to go to uh, Alien Base Camp, Area 51, rating Area 51, if you're going to do it in Vegas, if you're going to go to Hico, Nevada, I want to hear about it. Uh, hit me up on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho, or at I am Jericho, and let me know what happens. Stay safe, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big Game Boy!